0: Welcome to number nine in our parables of Jesus. We are going to discuss three parables about prayer. Now, these parables have something in common besides the fact that they are talking about prayer. These three parables are among the most easily misunderstood parables that Jesus taught Because they are sort of, uh, I guess you would say, counterintuitive to what we think about prayer. When we think about prayer, we have a tendency to operate from the position that no matter how much I pray, it's never enough. We also have the tendency to operate thinking that prayer is somehow a way that I twist the arm of God to get Him to do something that he might not want to do. I remember my early experiments in fasting revolved around the idea of thinking that if I fast, I am putting pressure on God to to put him in a position where he's obligated to answer my prayer. Now, it took just a few times to understand that the, the, the pressure in fasting was not put on God. It was put on me. Uh, my flesh was being crushed when I was trying to learn how to fast. And it didn't take too many times. It took a few times, but it didn't take too many times for me to understand that the crushing that was going on in fasting was of my flesh. And it was to not get God to move but it was to get me to get out of his way so that he could move in the way that he wanted to. Prayer is often like that. Um, Prayer is so indispensable to the Christian life, but it seems that the more theologically conservative we are, the more difficult we make prayer, and it ought not to be that way. So we're going to take a summary verse from Luke chapter 18, And verse 1, to tell us about what we're after. One day, Jesus told His disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. The summary statement of all these parables is that we ought to always pray and never give up. Now, there's several things that um, we can draw from this. Number one, Prayer is something that can be taught, but it also needs to be caught. Uh, I am so thankful that my church taught us how to pray. VBS, we were taught how to pray. But I'm so thankful that all of my life, every morning, I don't remember a day without it, every morning and every evening, our day began and our day ended in prayer. Um, And... I want to tell you, I learned to pray by listening to my parents pray. Um, My pastor, um, I I asked him one time, and I, I forget how I worded it because I didn't want it to be insulting. But it seemed like when he was praying, he was almost like talking down to us. It's like he would pray things that were so basic And I asked him about it when I felt called to ministry and he said, oh, one of the best things you can do uh, and one of the most important things you will do as a pastor is lead the congregation in prayer. And I said, explain to me. He said, most people don't know how to pray and they will learn to pray from listening to you pray. And I thought about it in addition to my mom and dad, maybe a handful of other relatives, when my pastor prayed, I listened, I toned in, and and he's been, uh, what, uh, 27 years gone to heaven. But when I pray today, I still catch myself echoing his prayers as far as the way we pray. And um, <clears throat> so we need... We need to be taught how to pray, but we also need to have a prayer example before us. That's why the disciples, you know, the wonderful Lord's Prayer that we pray every Sunday and that you probably pray all through the week, that was a result of the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray the way John also taught his disciples. So Jesus acknowledged that Prayer is something that's taught. In fact, if you ever have time, if you watch The Chosen, they do a good job of um, intertwining some traditional Jewish prayers in the worship of Jesus and others. And um, if you ever have the interest and the time to do so, if you just study some traditional Jewish prayers, prayers for the morning, prayers for blessing of food, prayers for this, that, and it, it, they are phenomenal. They are phenomenal prayers. And Jewish children were often taught to pray using those prayers. Now, Jesus added a new uh, dynamic to it, beginning with the Lord's Prayer. And um, but the goal that we're going to look at first of all is the friend at midnight, the unjust judge, and then the third one, which seems to not fit. Uh, At first glance is the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who were praying in the temple. There we learn a contrast between how to pray and how not to pray. Okay, let's look at the first parable from Luke chapter 11 verses 5 to 13. And by the way, these parables are not all Jesus taught about prayer. Uh, There's in the Sermon uh, on the Mount and other places... Jesus talked about prayer but these are the parables that he used. Um, Then teaching them more about prayer he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he might not do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And that seems like, where did the Holy Spirit come from? It's talking about the grace and the enablement of God. How much more shall he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I need to say this about the parables on prayer. To some extent or another, the parables of prayer are on prayer are parables of contrast, not parables of comparison. Most of the parables are parables of comparison. The kingdom of God is like this. You know, this is like this. But the teaching about prayer that had it so convoluted and so difficult were so ingrained into the mindset of the people that Jesus said, I'm not going to try to teach you what prayer is like. I'm going to show you what prayer is not like. And that's very important when you understand these parables. The um, This parable is connected organically to the parable of the unjust judge that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But um, the, 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 the thing that stands out about this parable is that Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He says, and understand this, if persistent prayer will turn the heart of someone that doesn't want to get out of bed how much more so will persistent prayer touch the heart of a father who is willing to help you? A father that doesn't have to be convinced to get up and do something. And, and uh, he said, we'll, we'll keep on hammering because of shameless persistence. I gotta have some help. And he said, if that will move the heart of a neighbor that can be selfish, how much more so does it move the heart how much more so does it move the heart of a person that is petitioning a loving heavenly father? Um, uh, let's go ahead to the unjust judge because I'd like to take some time to tie these things together at the end. These two parables are, are connected, and it says that one day Jesus told his disciples a story that they should always pray, never give up. That's the verse that we read earlier. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And boy, I want to tell you, widows and orphans were at the mercy of judges in those days. And in fact, one of the things that God said he will not tolerate when he was dealing with Israel, he said, I will not tolerate with injustice toward widows and orphans. You want to get God against you, mess with widows and orphans. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. Now that's not a picture of our heavenly father, but this woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Now remember, there are parables of comparison, there are parables of contrast. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice To His chosen people who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will He find on the earth who have faith? Or King James says, will He find faith upon the earth? I'll talk about that in just a moment. But the bottom line of this parable is similar to the first one. The first one says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, be persistent in your prayer. And the, the lesson of this parable is just never give up. Keep on making your petition known. And um, there's a, uh, an additional teaching about how long to pray in other portions of Scripture. But Jesus emphasized the need to push. Pray until something happens. Now, I don't mean to be offensive, but I, I was kind of surrounded for years by people that said you need to have faith. And if you ever ask God for something twice, that's unbelief. And loved ones, I want to tell you, that has cheated the people of God out of intimacy with their father. It has cheated the people of God out of peace. It's cheated them out of the opportunity of praying something through. I think what they were trying to say was this. If God has told you He'll take care of it, don't keep asking for it. Start thanking Him for it. I understand that. But I think what they did unintentionally, or I hope it was unintentionally, they made people feel that they were somehow weak-faithed. If they ask twice. But Jesus says just keep on asking. And keep asking until something happens. That's not a weak faith posture or position. The lesson is not that God has to be begged. He wasn't saying here's the lesson of prayer. Just beg, 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 beg. And somehow you'll get God to say this. You know Justin's wearing me out. No. No. The lesson is contrast. He says, if persistence will cause a wicked man to bring justice, how much more will constant prayer bring resolution from a heavenly father that wants to help us? Um, And and I I learned that my need is never too little a matter to bring to God. I learned that... um, um, God is looking for something in us that we might not spot. He, he says this. He says, but when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Now that seems to come out of nowhere. He's talking about praying. And he says, by the way, when I come back, am I even going to find faith on the earth? It, it's, it seems like it doesn't fit. It seems insulting. But this, I believe, and I, I really am convinced of this. What Jesus was saying, he says, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? He says, even when I return, he said, there are going to be things that appear unanswered. As long as you live, there are going to be things that appear unanswered that you'll take to your grave. But he said, when I return and put everything in order, will I find people leaning into faith? Or will they give up and will they lose heart He says, I want you to know it's important that you keep praying. And he said, know this, the important thing is not that you always have an answer to prayer. That's important. But the more important thing is whenever you've come to the end of the road, are you still leaning into me? Are you still trusting me? Now, he told another parable that just doesn't seem to fit, but it's a parable of contrast again about acceptable prayer and unacceptable prayer. Number three, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Boy, that's a, that's a great church atmosphere, isn't it? You know, I have somebody to pray for the offering and they say, I'm thankful I'm not like those people over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Now, both men were praying. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, this parable was spoken... For those who were confident in their own righteousness and in reality saw no need for grace and mercy. They had a self-confidence that said, my track record is the basis upon which I stand. And Jesus said, I want you to know that at best we are broken unrepairably so except by the grace of God. Now, the tax collector, also called a publican in some translations, who was a tax collector for the hated Roman government, was the one who went home justified in the eyes of God. Now, here's the final thing about prayer that disciples learn. They learn that we need to have a healthy sense of our own sin and shame. Now, we've got to allow God's grace to move us beyond now, you know, you can say I'm not worthy and, and mean that, and that's noble. But if you let the fact that you're not worthy dominate your life, you're putting more attention on your sin than you are on God's grace. Has it ever occurred to you, this, this is kind of a, an eye-opener for us, Whenever you can't forgive yourself, you don't forgive yourself, you are implying, even unintentionally, you're implying that you have a higher standard of holiness than God has. God will forgive me, but I can't. I realize how bad I am. Do we really have a higher sense of justice than God? I don't think so. I don't think so. It is an encouragement in our moments of failure To remember that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Now, I want to say this, and we're going to wrap this up. Um, Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he said this. He said, those of you who are spiritual, in fact, there's only four times in the New Testament that a description of spiritual is given. Um, And that's a sermon for another time. But one of those examples, the third of the four examples, was from Galatians chapter 6, where Paul said, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you who are the spiritual ones, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you all be uh, also be tempted. In other words, he understood that disciples have a healthy sense of their own frailty, They have a healthy sense of their own sin, but they know that God is working in a humble heart that is repentant. Now, what are the Christian life lessons that we draw from these parables about prayer? Here's number one. And um, as you go into what your group is going to do tonight or whatever exercise you uh, as a class decide to take up. I want you to understand first and foremost and really let this sink in that we have a God who loves to answer the prayers of His children. We have to not let fasting remain as a tool we use to twist God's arm. And we've got to move away from prayer that somehow thinks the, more, the better a week we've had, the more likely we are to get an answer to prayer. We have a God who loves to answer the prayers of His children. Number two, never give up on a uh, prayer request unless God directs you otherwise. Now, again, another teaching for another time. Paul talked about his prayer for a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed multiple times and it had been unresolved. But Paul stopped praying about his thorn in the flesh, at least for the removal of it. Because God said, this is the purpose it serves. And you don't need to ask me to take it away because when you are weak, that's when you're really strong. Now, I don't doubt that Paul prayed about it, but it was probably for strength. It was probably for stamina. It was no longer, Lord, get this out of my life. And, but the lesson is this, unless God tells you, don't pray about this anymore, or unless God gives you an answer that you feel you can take to the bank, or unless God says, just wait, keep pressing in for prayer. Keep bringing your needs to the Lord. Now, I want to say one other thing in the little bit of time I've got left. There is a dangerous ground that we'll talk about uh, in one of these lessons that we present to you. When God does speak to you an answer, and it's not the answer you want, Stop praying about it. You say, well, I, I, Lord, let me see if I can negotiate this. Balaam did that. Balaam did that. And you read the account and it sounds crazy. God says, do not do this. Don't go with these people. Do not have anything to do with this. But Balaam kept praying. Here's a prophet that knew the voice of God. But Balaam said, let me pray about it again. Now, all of a sudden, God says, okay, go. Yeah, you can go with them. You mean yesterday you told me not to go, but today I can go? Go with them. Just say only what I tell you to say. And God, if we don't take an answer to prayer seriously, I'm not talking about seeking light on a dark subject. I'm not talking about praying saying, Lord, I'm not sure. I think I heard you. I'm not sure. Could you bring clarity? But when God says no, or when God says do this, that, or the other, and we know it's God and we don't do it, don't keep that on your prayer list. Let it go and accept his answer, even if it's not the answer that you want. And here's the final thing. Okay, we have a God who loves to answer prayer. Never give up on prayer unless God gives you an answer to that prayer. It says stop. And number three, stay low, stay humble. That's what we learn from the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. You, you remember I told you one time uh, a doctor told his patient, the patient was having trouble with, uh, with passing out because of his heart rate dropping. And this is what the doctor said. He said, whenever you feel one of these spells, he says, get low. He says, sit on the ground, lay down, Do, get as low as you can. He said, because you're about to fall. And he said, I'm going to tell you from years of professional experience as a doctor it's better to fall from a low spot than a high spot. And that's what we need to understand. We stay low. We stay humble. And the, 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 the disaster caused by our falling is a lot less when we're humble than it is when we're arrogant. Now, Lord, we're, we have probably not been able to do justice to these parables about prayer But I want this beautiful Bible study group to understand this. You are so concerned that we learn to pray properly that you spent almost all of your time jogging us loose from unvalid expectation and unvalid teaching about prayer. Prayer has the... The stuff is stacked against prayer, telling us that it's so hard, it's so difficult, and you've got to get God interested in your problem and then maybe he'll move. And you pointed us in the other direction. And Lord, we want to say thank you that you love to answer prayer. You tell us to keep on praying until something happens. And you tell us, Lord, even when we're navigating tough places in life, stay humble, stay humble. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.